four, three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to America.com. My name is Rich Doc Hayden, and I am with... And here we are. It is Tuesday, November 28th. We are with our friend and 2-7 brother, Matthew Maxwell. Maxwell, how are you doing? I'm doing great. All right. So, we skipped last week because of Thanksgiving. We were talking about it a little bit. But, uh, Harp, how was your Thanksgiving? Good. 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 We had a good time. Good. Thank you, bud. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep. We all did. We, it's not Thanksgiving unless you eat too much. And those, these calories don't count. They don't count. They're, uh, for those four days, you can eat as much as you want, and, and, and it's okay. So, all right. Cool, cool, cool. And your kids all had a good time? They did. Nice. They nice. always have, have a blast playing with the cousins. Nice. Nice. Very cool. Maxwell, how about you? Did you have a great uh, Thanksgiving? It was great. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. You know, we got a lot to be thankful for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. A very, very peaceful time in the United States, at least. Um, we had a very nice one here. We, uh, we, had, um, we had dinner down at my mother-in-law's, and then the next day drove out to Palm Springs and hung out there for a couple of days, took the tram up to... Uh, Mount San Jacinto and hung out there. It was actually a little bit of snow on the ground, as a matter of fact. So my daughter, she technically, when she was about a year and a half old, we took her to New York and she saw snow, but she didn't remember any of it. So this is like her first time seeing snow within her memory. And um, it wasn't much. It was just maybe, maybe a quarter inch kind of scattered all over the place. But we made a couple snowballs and threw them at each other. So it was, yeah. Pretty good. Did you tell her not to eat the yellow snow? <laughs> I thought about it. I thought I was like, I was, I, I thought, I you my, better teach them young. Yeah, Doc. Come yeah. On, man. You gotta teach them. Do, do not eat yeah. yellow snow. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was looking for some, but luckily up there, there, there weren't, you know, weren't too many dogs and stuff. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, <laughs> I did think about it. So, but uh, but yeah, no, we had a we had a good one. It was very cool. So. As we've been doing for, gosh, over a year and a half now, we've been talking about the war in Ukraine. We got another um, pretty intense war in the Middle East going on right now with a ceasefire. But um, focus on Ukraine to start it off. And uh, really hasn't been much going on. I mean, Harp, have you seen, seen a lot? Have you, you noticed anything? I mean, no, I haven't seen a lot coming out of Ukraine. Uh, mm -hmm. I know, uh, was it you that just said about the security guard? So, yeah, I'll, you know what, I'll go ahead. I'll, you know, I'll open up with that then. So, I today just read that uh, here in the New York Times, um, the article started, Wife of Ukraine's spy chief was poisoned, officials say. So, I'll just read it very briefly. The wife of Ukraine's military intelligence chief has been poisoned and is recovering in a hospital, Ukrainian intelligence officials said on Tuesday, an incident that has led to widespread speculation that Russia was stepping up efforts to target Ukraine's senior leadership. Uh, I I'm, I'm, apologize, I'm going to pronounce his name incorrectly. Andrei Cherniak, an official from the Ukrainian military intelligence agency, said that M Mariana Budanova had been poisoned and was receiving treatment. Her husband... Um, I'm going to mispronounce his name again, I apologize. Kirilo Budnov is the head of the agency known as the GUR and is one of the country's most senior military leaders. 
Mr. Chernayak uh, declined to speculate on the perpetrator or the type of poison used and provided no further details. Um, just going down a little bit more, um, the suspected poisoning of Mrs. Budinova was first reported by the Ukrainian news outlet Babel. It said that doctors found a large amount of heavy metals in Miss Budinova's system that are not used in any way in everyday life and military affairs. Ms. Mr. Budinova, excuse me, Mr. Budinov has not fallen ill, the Ukrainian officials said. The reports that Ms. Budinova had been poisoned sparked immediate suspicion in Ukraine that Russia, which had a long history of using poison as a tool to extract revenge and eliminate perceived enemies, may have been responsible. Uh, very last thing I'll, I'll read. Mr. Budinov, uh, Mr. Budinov has often stated that Russia planned to kill him, and Mr. Yusov, the spokesman for the intelligence agency, said this summer that there have been at least 10 attempts by Russia to do so. So, it looks like the Russians are trying to step up uh, 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 poisoning and, and trying to um, uh, eliminate some of Ukraine's senior leadership. So, Harp, what do you, what do you think about that? to try to get inside the circle. Mm -hmm. uh, this this is going to be interesting. See what who's next, mm -hmm. and uh, and where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. Who's, who's going to take responsibility for it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. Maxwell, let me open it up to you. What do you think? Man, it's the. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it's kind of like the Russians' hallmark freaking revenge method. <laughs> yeah. The, the so it's definitely got that, got that flavor. I was reading something earlier about, like, sleeper cells, Russian sleeper cells in Ukraine just trying to erode, like, morale and, and cause hate and discontent everywhere. So, I mean, it kind of checks out i mean to get to somebody that high up in you know the ukrainian military to a family member is pretty scary mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree it is and it's this is not how do i say this is a news this is this you know this is russia's mo i mean they do this all the time nobody should be surprised about it it's, it's certainly scary but it's not surprising Maxwell, let me let me throw this out to you. Let's, I, and I don't want this to happen, but hypothetically, let's say the Russians were able to uh, assassinate Zelensky. What effect do you think that would have uh, on the conflict? Well, that is a good question because Zelensky's such a, you know, such a strong figure and such a kind of like the the face of resilience. Mm -hmm. the resiliency of Ukraine. Um, you know, if you're successfully... I'd be interested to see the West response to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because taking out taking out the leader of a nation, that I, I think that puts you on a whole different playing field. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, I'd be interested to see... I actually, I would not want to see that, but uh, if that were to be the case hypothetically, I think that would open the door 
for who knows, maybe even like direct NATO mm-hmm. interjection, or even though Ukraine's not a NATO country. But, um, you know, as far as Ukraine goes, I mean, who knows? I, I, I really don't know. You know, like, Zelensky is like the, the figure everybody knows. You you really don't know too many other yeah. names or how it's structured, the secession of command and, you know, how people feel about those other, you know, higher-ups. So I, I can't really comment on, yeah. like, you know, where Ukraine would be. Maybe it would. Maybe it does fall apart. Maybe he is like the the face of it. That if he's gone, it's gone. People just give up. I mean, that that would suck after everything that they've been through and been able to hold off the Russians as long as they have. Mm -hmm. But I I don't know who that other person is. I know that it would really, from all the Western support, that would really shake things up. you know, because now, you know, countries will support other countries. They don't, I don't, I think that, I think that's one of those moves that's like, oh shit, now, now we got to do something because they don't want to be the next one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the, I tend to, I you know, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it in terms of if you kill the leader of a sovereign country. The, there really is going to be hell to pay. And I think, um, you know, I don't know if, if we'd quite see NATO intervention, but I definitely, definitely do think we'd see a very forceful reaction from the West. Now, in terms of what would happen in Ukraine, a, a lot of it would um, depend on who's next. First of all, I think it would be a tremendous psychological blow, and I think it would really, really harm um, Ukraine's uh, you know morale and their standing, but I, I don't think that I think that it would actually embolden uh, the Ukrainian people to fight. After a, it would be a, a very very heartbreaking setback, but it would embolden them to fight. And then again, if the you know if the next guy who succeeds him is honest and is able to you know catch some of that um, you know some of that magic in a bottle and ultimately go on and. Um, you know, uh, continue to uh, govern equitably and, and you know, um, uh, uh, conflict, you know, uh, um, controversy, excuse me, govern equitably uh, without as much controversy, without as much, without, you know, not corrupt, then, so that's the word, sorry, that's the word I was looking for. If they're honest and not corrupt in the same way that Zelensky is, um, I think that it would be, a minor, you know, a temporary setback. I shouldn't say a minor setback, but a temporary setback. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that aspect of, like, being free from corruption it would be the difference. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, like, prior to Zelensky, it was a very corrupt and bought-off government. In fact, mm-hmm. even with Zelensky in power, there's always these bureaucratic, you know, bullshit that just never goes away no matter who you know put any country in that mix right and uh there's been a lot of internal purging you mm. know not in the same way not the same way that putin would do it you know yeah yeah in the, in the, 
channeling Stalin or something. But, you know, there's been people fired and removed from positions in Ukraine since this war started for corruption, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and it's like, so... You know, you don't know what you're you're gonna get, and I, if it was, you know, if you had someone come in behind Zelensky, that's your, you know, what what's been par for the course for Ukraine over its existence, and some yeah. corrupt bureaucrat, it, it, it's it would it would definitely devastate the the Ukrainian effort. That's for sure. Yeah, if if they got some yeah corrupt um, sort of crony type type got another a, a, you know potential strongman, then yeah, it would it would they you know they they rush to end the war and um, yeah, I think it would be it would be awful. But yeah, it's interesting. I you know I I wonder what the uh, line of succession is uh, in Ukraine. I mean, I'm sure that. The West and you know Western intelligence services are are very well familiar with it. Um, we don't. <laughs> the West doesn't have. Uh, well, listen to me. I should say the U.S. doesn't always have the best record in picking our allies. I think we absolutely made the right choice uh, siding with Ukraine here. There's no question about it. But um, you know, throughout our history, we have uh, cozied up with strongmen and dictators and. Um, uh, things like that, but this you know this situation is a little bit different too because Ukraine uh, was a well, is a democracy and had democratic elections and um, you know this is this is very different than say you know siding with Saddam in the late seventies early eighties uh, in Iraq's war against Iran. I mean we knew we were hopping into bed with the devil. It's just um, you know we need one devil to counteract another, and I, you know that's very different dynamic here, but. Harp, let me put it out to you. You know, if Zelensky were to die, what do you think would happen? Well, I mean, the next guy—I mean, next guy would step up. I would hope. I mean, I think there would be some Western influence on who who got put in there. I don't think it would be. I mean, we wouldn't allow um, any other. I would hope, after what all we've put into it. Mm-hmm. To try to save that country, um, but uh, I mean, in a government like that, there's always going to be corruption. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not saying Zelensky is a great dude. I mean, he's a good dude, but you know, there's people have a little corruption side to it. I mean, they all do. Nobody in in his power or or, or uh, his authority is not going to be slightly corrupt somewhere. So. If he felt, I mean, you got to ask yourself if he felt threatened by that guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, was it internal or was it, who's going to take responsibility for what happened? Yeah, yeah. Is what I'm getting at. So far, the um, this the details of this poisoning have uh, not come out. I mean, I'm, um, I'm, I mean, it's sure. I guess it's technically possible somebody would say that, but I doubt it. Yeah, but I don't think so. I think that this is this is the the hallmark of um, Russia, and of course, I haven't read um, anything. This is the, literally the first. Um, uh, uh, repo- then, that, then that brings the question: Is, is how does that? Get, how did somebody get in that tide of into the circle? Yeah, yeah. And not be vetted. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, actually later in the article it says, uh, you know, I'm reading from the article now, if Russia was able to poison Ms. Budinov, it was suggested that its agents were operating closer to the inner circles of power in Kiev than previously thought possible. Viktor Yahoon, the former deputy head of the Domestic Intelligence Agency, Security Services of Ukraine, has participated in past investigations into poisoning and said more information was needed before it would be possible to assess the Budinova case. But Mr. Yahoon said he would be surprised if Russia had agents in Ukraine who could get close to Mrs. Budinova or her husband. Quote, it just doesn't have the needed kind of agents on the territory of Ukraine that would be able to poison someone. Unquote, he said. But, um, and I'm reading on a little more. However, Alexei Danilov, the head of the National Security and Defense Council of Ukraine, said in an interview before the poisoning was announced that Russia was activating sleeper agents and ramping up its efforts to destabilize the government in Kiev. In 2003, uh, he's a quote, in 2003, Putin set himself the task of destroying our country. During all this time, their tasks have not changed, he said. Uh, quote, considering the fact that the Russian Federation does not have the ability to win by military means, it is not using all its agent networks, which unfortunately still exist. Now we are observing their maximum activation, unquote. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a little curious about this as well. Like, <clears throat> so I kind of wonder if <clears throat> Russia may have um, at some point overplayed their hand. And, you know, when, you, when they do find out <clears throat> who poisoned this woman, um, it... You know, it's, the, the investigation is going to occur and they're going to be able to root out uh, some of the people who did this. Um, you know, I wonder if Russia has, is going to exp- uh, uh, lose some of the people close to um, Zelensky. But, I, you know, I don't know. I it's, mean, a, it's an interesting you, question. You talk, when, when, you, when you say poison, you got to be close. Yes, yeah. It's like a sniper shot from hundreds and hundreds of yards away. You yeah. Know? You, you got you to gotta be close. And how are you not... It's somebody of that mm-hmm. hierarchy is not vetted before you come in contact with. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who let that slip? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and hang on a second. Actually, later in the uh, article, it says um, Russia has targeted senior Ukrainian leaders in the past, including President Vol- Volodymyr Zelensky, according to Ukrainian officials. Mr. Zelensky has said that he is no longer shaken when he hears uh, when he learns of new plots on his life. Quote, the very first one is interesting, unquote, he said in a recent interview with The Sun, the British tabloid. Quote, and after that, it is just like COVID, unquote. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, man, these, you know, like, so, so zooming out a little bit, the, I, the, the war itself is stuck in a stalemate. And it's probably going to be, it's the, the, the winter is coming, um, the, the summer fighting season is uh, either over or just about over. And just like last year, both sides are going to dig in and, um, you know, rearm, resupply, and get ready to fight again uh, in the spring. And, you know, one of the, thing, one of the things that I'm a, a little worried about, it's, just, it's really, really hard to know. Um, uh, to, uh, to from where we sit, you know what what kind of the the status is. One of the things that we have always said on this podcast is the longer it goes, the better it's going to be for Ukraine because Russia is is just going to exhaust itself, and after a while, they're just not going to have enough people left. And I'm uh, I still hope that's the case, but it's it's just so hard when they're they're stuck in this stalemate just to see where everybody's at and see where everybody's going to um 
where 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 who's going to break first? You know, who's going to finally say enough is enough? I think the Ukrainians can take much much more punishment than um, well, see, I put it like this: the Ukrainian army can take much more punishment than the Russian army can take because they're fighting for their land. But at the same time, the Russians just uh, just have so many I mean, more when, resources. When, yeah. when, when do you when do you stop calling it a war? Well, what do you mean? Like, if it's such a stalemate, like it's been for as long as it's, it's not like it was at the beginning, where mm-hmm. it was like day to day bombing and fighting and invasion. That that's been gone for quite some time now so when when do you stop calling it a war and start calling it policing and and uh protecting your border oh i don't know i think i think we still have a long way to go for that and i think that uh the one thing the ukrainians are not going to do they're not going to just settle for one i can tell you this one way i i can almost guarantee you that this war is not going to end is um it's not just going to peter out. You know what I mean? It's not, not just going to... If it ain't going to end, then it's going to break us. Yeah. It's going to break the world eventually. I, I don't know. See, I I think... I'm going to have to disagree with that because assuming it doesn't escalate... Now, of course, it could escalate, but let's say it keeps... Let's say it continues on a similar trajectory for the next two or three years, which would be very unfortunate. But if it does, eventually one side is just going to have to uh, have to capitulate and just say enough is enough. We, we have to come to the table and we have to um, hammer out terms for a ceasefire. I, what I don't, you know how um, Iraq... A ceasefire, doesn't, a ceasefire doesn't mean the end of war, though. No, it doesn't. It, no, not at all. Not at all. But it's, we're, we're not even, like, we're not even, we're not even close to a ceasefire right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it, it, this, this war is going to end... Um, I think, kind of, I actually think in, in many ways it's going to, it's, it's kind of like the, I talked about the Iran-Iraq war, and I think it's kind of like that, and both sides at the end just agreed to stop fighting, um, but I, yeah, I don't think it's going to end like that, world is, World War One. it, I would say it's going to end like World War One, but, um, the big difference there is that everybody was so exhausted, and then the U.S. entered the war, and just this massive influx of troops was what um, what turned the tide against the Germans, and I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen um, in this particular war. You know what I'm saying? It might. It might. Europe. You know, actually, Maxwell, you you had raised a good point. If um, Russia were to do something stupid like assassinate uh, Zelensky and trigger a NATO response, that could be the thing that pushes it um, over. And then, actually, if NATO were to join the fight, um, it would, yeah, it would make a difference, and it would, um, I don't want to say relatively easy, it would be relatively easy, well, yeah, relatively easy to push um, uh, Russia back, and that's, I don't want to get a little too cocky there, but, um, but yeah, I don't know, you know what I'm saying, I, it's, it's, I, I, I don't see, we're not even close to a ceasefire, we're not even close to an ending, Maxwell, let me open it up to you, with the winners, you know, um, the winter pause in fighting, um, do you think that it benefits either side, or um, you know, what, what do you think the status is in this, you know, in this this current little lull? Oh man, I I would say I would say both 
sides have something to gain by a pause, which sounds like is going to happen. In fact, I was just reading um, about like a cyclone in the Black Sea that is like really beat up Russian port infrastructure and Ukrainian port infrastructure as well, which just kind of adds to the you know, hey, winners, the winners here, it's going to be hard to maneuver, it's going to be hard to do anything, like, there'll probably be skirmishes with infantry, but it, it'll be hard to support because of the winter situation. Mm. Uh, I also read that Zelensky announced that uh, Western, some, like, this article didn't mention who specifically because it was just kind of a summary recap of what's going on in Ukraine and uh, that they're going to get some warships from the west to protect the uh, grain mm. uh, movement so I mean there's a there's a development but I think I think that'll be tied up in protection of like the grain shipments you know, will be limited offensive capability, probably. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's one of those things, yeah, well, a lot of times we've said in the past, the longer this goes, it favors Ukraine. Um, the winter pause, I think, favors both because they both need it. Yeah. Because it's, you know, they, they haven't been able to push the lines very far in either way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, one of the things, too, I actually think that the, um, the only way that it's going to end from the Russian end is whether Putin dies or is overthrown, Putin's going to have to go. And I, I, just, I just don't think that he is ever going to relent. I don't think that he's ever going to... That, that's one of the reasons this war is not going to end is that neither side is going to be satisfied with um with where it stands right now so ukraine is not going to be satisfied with losing um you know the percentage of land that they've lost to russia so far russia isn't satisfied with just taking uh this percentage of land they want more and um i you know i don't think that either side is willing to um, negotiate yet because neither side feels like they're in a, a position to negotiate. But I also think, you know, I, I mean, I can't, I can't say what's going through Vladimir Putin's head right now. Perhaps he does still think that if he just waits it out long enough, the West will get tired and Rukin will get tired, and in another two or three years, assuming he's still alive, you know, assuming he hasn't croaked by then, he'll just be able to uh, push back towards Ukraine. Uh, excuse me, push back towards Kiev again take it and, um, you know, ultimately achieve his goal, just, you know, a couple of years behind schedule. Uh, you know, I don't, maybe he thinks that, but I, I also have to think that he understands as well that, um, you know, anything like that would trigger a, re you know, much more forceful response from the West. So, um, you know, I actually, I, if he's smart, you know, he would understand that he, you know, he he's, knows he has to save some sort of face. He knows he has to, to do something to stay in power, and um, he has to, or he has to come back with something for the Russian people to stay in power, and he just 
doesn't have that right now, so he's not going to stop. You know what I mean? Um, I think the potentially the the greatest thing that could happen for all parties involved is for Putin to die. You know, um, maybe not necessarily be poisoned because that would be um, <laughs> that would create a very very strong backlash. But if he had a heart attack or something, um, and he has had some health problems previously, so um, or maybe he'll, somebody will give him COVID and he'll he'll croak. But you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm. And the longer this goes on, um, and we're, I, I, let me see this, I'm kind of rambling now, but the last thing I will say is I don't really see an, um, this ending before the spring, you know what I mean? Barring some sort of crazy um, development in Moscow, uh, I don't see this ending before the spring, you know what I'm saying? So that's where we are. So that's, that's where we are with it. You guys got anything, anything else you want to... Uh, uh, contribute to it. I think that's. Uh, I think that says, uh, like you said at the top of the podcast, like there's been real no movement. Yeah. You know, it's like in around Bakhmut, like the Russians were able to retake some ground, but it it ends up being one of those things. It's like, yeah, you, you're taking ground with the your adversary isn't at. And at the same time, to the south of Bakhmut, the Ukrainians are taking ground. Well, you know, like, it's one of those things like, yeah, we're making some gains, but it's gains where our adversary isn't at, so it's easy to take, mm-hmm. right? There are a few defenders somewhere. And it's pretty much, and it's definitely a stalemate because for whatever the Russians could grab, the Ukrainians are grabbing back just as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just these little tit for tats, and nothing's really moving. And I'm sure it's fucking miserable. It's been miserable on the ground since day one, but I'm sure it's absolutely miserable on the ground. Um, yeah, this does. You know, um, this more than any other war in the last uh, uh, remember, This looks like well, well, maybe with you know. Uh, Iran and um, Iraq. This looks a lot like World War Two, with each side just just dug in. They make a little bit of progress here and there. I'm sure um, the 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 Russians are completely demoralized. Uh, the Ukrainians have still have a ton of fighting spirit, but um, morale still I'm sure is still in the tank. You're fighting a fucking um, middle trench warfare. Can the winter's coming, so it can't be fucking very good. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, and the, the very last thing I'll say is, um, so far, it looks like still the Russians have learned very, very little. So um, they're just going to keep doing what they're doing and, and you know, I guess, poisoning uh, Ukraine's uh, leadership and, and hopefully um, not, not fucking poison anybody too important. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. anyways, so, all right. So that is Ukraine. Um, do you guys have anything? Uh, I haven't been following the, uh, the the conflict in Palestine very closely. I know that um, a couple there have been a couple hostage swaps. Um, there's we're in the middle of a ceasefire, but um, I haven't been following uh, tit for tat. Anything do you guys want to comment on for for that, Maxwell? Anything that you want to say for it? I really haven't been. Uh keeping up to date on that one. I know, like like I said, like you said, 
you know, they got this temporary ceasefire right now to get some humanitarian aid in there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, when you got that many people packed into that area, it's, you know there's going to be some devastating shit. And, yeah. And, like, again, like, Hamas was, you know, those fuckers, they, they really opened up fucking Pandora's box when they pulled that bullshit back in October. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just been, it's been a, oh, God, it's, that, that one's, it's a total mess. It's a, Harp, you got anything you want to comment on it? I mean, I don't think this war is going to take 20 years. So I think, I mean, we're temporary ceasefire, but mm-hmm. I don't see it lasting too long. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, ten, ten, 10 to 15 hostages ain't, ain't, ain't worth the stalemate to, to have a ceasefire. Either, either you're going to release them all or we're coming, coming to get you. Yeah, I, I don't. I certainly don't think it's going to last as long as this war in Ukraine has. I think that um, it's going to be... Um, it's going to be uh, uh, the next... At least a few months, maybe, you know, but um, I mean, maybe... I don't want to say after Christmas, but once it wraps up, it once all the hostages are released, then um, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, Israel is going to go and and try to decapitate um, Hamas. And I guess it's two things. Number one, are they going to go and try to decapitate Hamas and really end them? And then um, two, uh, you know, how far are they willing to go? Um, get, Israel had been making some inroads with other countries in the Middle East, so are they just going to, you know, how is this going to affect them? And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody knows the answer to that right now. So, we'll see. I mean, they're going to they're go cut the head off, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, the thing we learned in Iraq and Afghanistan is these, these terrorist organizations are extremely difficult to root out. I mean, in, you know... How can I say this? It, 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 even though Vladimir Putin was unsuccessful, thankfully, unsuccessful in his initial push into Ukraine, in certain ways, I think that replacing a fully functioning government like Ukraine, in some ways, is easier than rooting out terrorists. Because, like, the, the had Russia been successful and had things gone a different way, they would have installed a puppet government in Ukraine, which wouldn't have been, probably wouldn't have been very effective and they would have created a, uh, uh, you know, a, an insurgency that we certainly would have supported and would have fought back, but at least they would have had the, uh, a governmental apparatus to inhabit, whereas, you know, in Gaza, um, Hamas just does not, they're not as bad as the, they're, they're maybe a little more organized than like the Taliban, but they're, um, they don't have, there's no, uh, they don't govern Gaza like a real government. So, um, you know, the question of what comes next, I think, is extremely difficult for, for Israel and for the Gaza Strip. So, you know, I, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's um, yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's, I think the, 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 the immediate fighting in Gaza will only last for a couple more months, but then um, the long-term instability is going to go on for, for quite a while. I think, like, um, this, Hamas's incursion, this war has probably set Israel and, uh, or, you know, any peace between Israel and Palestine back mm, 20 to 25 years. You know what I mean? So, 
Well, what I find funny is nobody wants to take them. No, no, none of the other countries around was like, no, no, you're not coming in here. Yep, it's the the Arab countries yeah. are. Yeah, they they're they're it's awful. They're they're horrible. There's <laughs> there's no other way to say it. I mean, <laughs> you, you 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 gonna stay there and you're 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 gonna die with the rest of them. Yeah, there's 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 no other way to say it. I mean, um, yeah, there's just yeah, there there there's no no. It's a very um the the Middle East is, uh, the three of us know the very the Middle East is a very uh, unforgiving place and um. Not a very hospitable place to. You don't have to worry about winter over there. No, that's true. That's it might true. Be cold for a week or two. That's yeah. it. All right. Well, here we are at the end. Um, actually, oh no, no, no. Excuse me. Before before we go, uh, just one more thing I'd like to say. Just um, so we we actually didn't talk about this, but this is like sort of a personal thing with the three of us. Uh, uh, Friday is December first. And it is the, gosh, the 18th anniversary now of the, um, uh, uh, we lost, what's up? 2005. Yeah. So 18 years ago on December 1st, a 2-7 lost uh, 10 guys to um, an IED and just want to take a moment just to remember them, to remember uh, that and... um, uh, yeah, it's coming. I don't. I kind of don't. I, I. It's. It's been on my mind for the last couple of weeks, and um, I don't know. Maybe I'm the first one to bring it up to you guys. I'm sorry if you're not. But it's. I don't know if there's anything you'd like to say about it or anything uh, you'd like to to say. Now you know it's just a dark day. December first, mm-hmm. December second, two dark days. I lost. You know, we lost those guys on December first, and then my my pops passed on December second. So oh, I'm sorry. I don't ever. I don't ever look forward to the to the 1st yeah. of December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's an anniversary that I always, I always dread each year as but well. But, we, I mean, we remember them, though. Yeah. I remember them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry them on. Yep, yep. Maxwell, you got anything you want to say about it? Man, all they gotta say is I'll never forget it. Yep. Never forget them. Yep, yep. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible day. So, so if any of the the friends and family, um, two seven listening, we're thinking about you. You'll be in our hearts on Friday, and um, yeah. So, all right, there we are at the end. Maxwell, got any final thoughts? Man, after you brought that up, no, I got nothing. Okay, all right. <laughs> Harp, you got any final thoughts? I mean, I got a lot of thoughts now. Better left right, leave them left unsaid for the oh. podcast anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. A lot of memories right there. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I, I, we should have, I, I, as soon as I hit record, I was like, oh, I, I forgot to mention I want to talk that. So we should have talked about that before. I, I sprung it on you guys a little bit. So if you got something next week you want to you wanna say, we can talk about it. But, um, yeah, I guess my final thought is, you know, as we roll into the um, – the holidays, you know, a lot of people around the, the the world right now are struggling. There's a lot of conflict. I mean, you know, you got the families of two seven who are are about to come up on this very dreadful anniversary, and our heart goes out to all them. My heart goes out to all the people in Ukraine who are suffering from this terrible, terrible war. And you know, my heart goes out to uh, everyone in Israel and all the civilians in Palestine as well 
who are caught up in this, uh, certain, not Hamas, absolutely don't, my heart does not go out to Hamas, but all the, you know, the civilians in Palestine who don't deserve this shit, um, all of the uh, people in Israel who don't deserve this shit, and um, yeah, just I'm uh, wishing uh, uh, everybody in those two war-torn regions uh, uh, safety in the best of um, the best of luck this holiday season. I'm sure we'll be talking about it more. So, all right, everybody. Well, thank you so much, Maxwell. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Doc. Harp, thank you. Yeah, man. All right, everybody. Thank you all for listening. We love you all, and we will see you next week.